What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of the Unit Report. I'm your host, Troy, along with my sidekick, Lucas. <laughs> guest and star. This episode, <laughs> guest, guest, yeah, pretty much. Uh, this week is going to be pretty NHL heavy. We're going to touch on a little bit of everything else, but I believe this episode it's going to be primarily NHL news. So yeah, there's a lot to get into. Uh, this might be a long episode. We'll see what happens. But there's a lot of hockey stuff that's happened over the past week that we need to get into. But before any of that, we oh, have to acknowledge. I, I want to have the honors. Yes, the can elephant the in the room. Here? Please do. Okay. Okay. Basically, biggest news this week. Way bigger than anything else we're going to talk about. Most important thing ever. Your boy, train man, Dylan Rossman. Managed to pull the impossible this week. He, well, I, I believe the story goes, he, I think he was at work or something. And David Portnoy from Barstool Sports came to Pittsburgh because they're doing a whole, they're launching a whole like a uh, sports betting app and stuff to promote it. So he, he flew into Pittsburgh and he was doing, I think he did like three pizza reviews. Um, go watch him. We, uh, long story short, we ended up scoring in the sevens, which is pretty good considering bar pizza is about the best that Pittsburgh really does because, you know, we're kind of the sandwich city, but, you know. True. Anyway, he ends up, Portnoy's leaving after, like, his third thing. He's up at the airport, and train man then ends up catching him, Boarding his plane at the airport and happens to have his camera. So he takes a couple pictures of him or whatever, sends them to me. I'm like, oh, that's sick, blah, 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 blah. Puts him on Twitter. I told, by the way, I told him to do that. Did you? I'm taking credit for that. I told him. I I, said, I, he sent them to me and then I said, you should send them to him. You should post them. Anyway. Yeah. But he sent them to me and then I was like, oh, that's sick. Because I, I was like, whatever. Because he, he, I didn't even know he was there. So anyway, he's there. He goes up but to the airport and watches him. And for, I don't know, for whatever reason, he's up there. And um, here's Portnoy and the cameraman walking to get into the plane. He's right. taking pictures of him. They're recording. So he has these pictures, sends them to me, blah, blah, blah. Me and you, we think they're cool. He puts them on Twitter. I think it was within, what, half an hour? Portnoy retweets, or Portnoy comments on them. And I'd fuck me. Yes. That's what he ends up putting on him, and then that, that's what Portnoy, I, I, and he commented on it. I don't know if he liked it, but, um, yeah. yeah. He quote tweeted it, so, like, whoever, like, follows him could see the full tweet and, like, Dylan's name and everything. And yeah. like, Dylan just captioned it with, uh, like, at Stoll President was, like, uh, is doing the Berg's pizzerias or whatever. And it was, yeah, of him and Frankie boarding the plane. Uh, those are the ones that he posted. I think he got one or two of him actually doing the review outside the plan or one of some video outside the plan. And uh, so it turned out very well. He's a very talented photographer. I give him that. And uh, it was crazy. And he, uh, Portnoy posted uh, when he was at Fiori's, he put like hashtag Pittsburgh on his Instagram story. I saw it 10 minutes after it was posted. And I live not like 10 minutes from Fiori's, but I was gone. I was out doing something. So I was like, man, should I really like stop what I'm doing and run down and check, see if I can see him or something? Didn't end up doing it, but uh, it really cool. 
I'm really proud of Dylan. Just round of applause for Dylan. That's great I stuff know. right And there. then he put it on there, and then I believe he put it on Instagram, but I don't think he ever – he put it on the uh, – he put it on his personal. I think he did. I think he put it on his personal, and then he put it on the PG8 Spotter account. But yes. it didn't end up – he didn't end up seeing it on there. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of cool. Very cool stuff there. He saw him there, yeah, and then I saw – I think it was this. Was it this year? Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, this, I guess it was earlier this year for the 500. Yeah, this one because we didn't see him when we went last year. No, because who did they send last year? They well, sent someone last year. He was there, but we couldn't. We couldn't like we kept missing him. We saw the uh, the 20 minute or 20 dollar chef guy. The one who cooks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's we saw right. him, and then Portnoy was here with um. What was it? Haley Deegan. I think it was them. Yeah. It was them this year, so yeah, that was cool. But yeah, so um, that's gonna be if we have play of the week. This is it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Absolutely. So you know, big shout out to Train Man Dilly Ross. That may be our play of the week, but for Dallas Stars and Tampa Bay Lightning fans, they have their own plays of the week. And yes, I think for Dallas, definitely. They uh, Dallas is off to the Cup final for the first time since two thousand. Uh, they beat the Golden Knights in five games, which I'm thoroughly surprised about. I thought, I thought Vegas had control, was going to have control of that series up until the very end. Very, very shocking to me. I, I don't really know how they pulled it off. I mean, Anton Gudobin is stood on his head these playoffs, and they just had a bunch of guys come out of nowhere and really break out on the national stage here, international, I guess, because it's all happening in Canada. But um, yeah, how do you feel about that five game series? I think we talked about this last podcast because I believe we we were only was it they only played one game for each series or something. I, I think game two was like or that was night. None. Okay, so yeah, because I remember we went over this and then we were both like, I, I think you at least you were like, yeah, it's going to end up being Vegas. We both had Tampa, but I, I said um, you said Dallas. Yeah, I said it would end up being Dallas, but that would be the most entertaining one to watch. But I think people want to see Vegas. And then I think we both came to the agreement that that would be the series that ended up going to the, like, six or seven. Mm -hmm. And somehow this ended up happening. We got bamboozled. So <laughs> we, we really did, but I don't know. I think this is for feeding off of, I guess, the last um, podcast. I think this is going to be – this is going to be way more entertaining to watch than, the, than watching the Knights just because of how similar those teams are between Tampa and um, Dallas. I, I think both Tampa and Vegas have had the star power to uh, – they like the big names to where it would have been fun. I think uh, – I guess Dallas does too. They have Sagan. They have Ben. Heiskanen's become an elite defenseman, you know. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's kind of like uh, – they have similar levels of talent. I just think different styles about it. I think of Tampa as more like of an offensive team. And Dallas has been cruising with their uh, goalie and uh, defense. Like last series, uh, the first, the, uh, they won one nothing, game one. Game two, they lost 3-0. Game three, they won 3-2. Then they won 2-1. Then they won 3-2. They've been keeping it super tight, and they have not been allowing many goals. And it's those close games, those close, low-scoring games that they thrive on. So if Gudobin can stand on his head like he has so far in these playoffs, that, uh, Tampa better look out, you know? 
It's kind of funny because I believe they got outshot in they got outshot in every single game. But game one they tied with uh both teams tied with twenty five shots on goal. But every other game they got outshot. It goes to show you, like the, the teams there, they allow At least it's quality over quantity. Yeah, they allow a good amount of shots, but yeah, I was gonna say they they keep the uh, teams to the perimeter. To, they get them to the point where they just have to throw anything on net. They're not getting high quality scoring chances. The only one that I saw, I think, in the Vegas series was like a two-one breakout, and where Riley Smith just sniped it. Like other than yeah. that, it's they've been keeping them to the perimeter, and they've been keeping them very like opposing offenses very suppressed. It's, it's really impressive. Yeah, I agree. And then looking at the other side, um, Tampa and the Islanders, it's because that closed out last night mm-hmm. with a two to one Tampa victory in overtime. I don't know. That one, I'm, yeah, that one I was kind of surprised because it's like, Watching the game, I don't know. I think everyone's surprised that the Islanders even remotely made it this far. Mm-hmm. But it's just like if you look at like the box scores and the stats and stuff, Tampa has outshot them like by a fairly large margin in every game. Like last night, Tampa had 38 shots, Islanders 27. Game five, Lightning 37 shots, Islanders 24. Um, game four, 36, 27. So it's like, that's not even, I mean, it's like, that's a pretty good margin. But still, um, I don't know, the, the Islanders managed to uh, pull out a win in game five, which I thought that was probably, that was the, uh, the double overtime game. I thought that was probably the most even game that they played yet. But I don't know. It just seems like there. It's almost like the um, same type of matchup, just like mirrored, because it's like the sh- I can't. I just can't believe that like the shot differential has been that much, and st- we've still seen scores that were this close. Because it's not like they got like mutilated. Like it's always been two to one or something like that. And then we had that one four to one in game four, but still for like that big of a margin, you would have thought that the um, goal numbers would have been a lot higher. Well, to be fair, game one was eight to two. I, I Yeah, but like for majority of the series, no, I, it's, I, been, I, yeah. it's been the one goal. Yeah. I honestly thought, like after watching game one, I thought like Tampa was going to just have a field day with the Islanders. And whenever they, uh, whenever Eberle scored in game five, uh, in that double overtime, I thought that that was going to be a turning point. If that game had gone to seven, if they had won in overtime last night, I give game seven odds to the Islanders. I said they have all the momentum in the in the world in that case, back to back overtime wins. If if they had won, and then going into a game seven, I mean, they have all the momentum in the world, but they take that loss. There was a really crappy goal too. Did you watch the replay of it, the Anthony Sorelli overtime goal? Um. It trickled over. I the think line. I did. Yeah, I think I did. It like it went like off the post behind Varlamov, and then like Varlamov like backed into it as it was crossing the net. It was a very really like choppy goal where it's not the kind of goal that you want to like 
end the series on. So I kind of, and I feel bad for the Islanders in that case, but it's impressive that they got this far at all, like you said. And it kind of goes to show you though, that even if like you look at Dallas and you've seen how they're like defensive, like, like style has gotten them this far, you still need that, like a certain level of offense to continue. And they just didn't have it. They scored three goals in the last two games, like four in the last three games. So like combined, they, they, other than like Barzal, they don't have a very strong offense. Whereas Dallas, they can play the strong defensively because they have so many guys on offense that can compensate for it. You look at uh, Sag and Ben, obviously, are the big names, but guys like um, uh, Rupe Hints or uh, Rupe Hints or uh, Dennis Gorianov, who's went, who's gone off this playoffs, he's had a really good. Uh, He's had quite a breakout playoffs. And then, like, even on the back end, you have Miro Heiskanen, who's, like, I think he's leading the playoffs in assists or something crazy like that. He's really high up there. So it's uh, – he's third in assists. But um, it's just it, – it goes to show you how good these final two teams are. And uh, I it, I think it would have been kind of a sham if the Islanders had actually gotten in there, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. You almost wonder if that would have been the uh... – better story in the end just with Dallas it being 20 years and then when did the um Bolts win it they won it let me it was an early 2000 I want to say 2004 they went to the cup final and they lost to the Blackhawks a few uh a few years ago I want to say was it 2015 I think let me see uh, oh, the yeah, they won the cup in 0304, and the last okay. time and the last time they were in the cup was 1415. That was the year they lost to the uh, Blackhawks. Okay, but I don't know. I think this is going to be one heck of a series. Um, yeah, like it's it's. I I just they're two very like similarly built teams where I think um, I still think Tampa is a notch above the Stars. Um, do we want to do predictions? Um, yeah, sure we can. Do you, like I need a second to think about it. Do you have? All right, do you I'll start sense? it off. So I'm going to go. Uh, Tampa wins in six games. The first three or four games, it's going to be back and forth. So it's going to be Tampa Stars, Tampa Stars. We're going to go two two, and then Tampa pulls away. Because I think that's the team. That seems like that's what's gonna. I think that's what fits Dallas's like gameplay. Because that's how it's been for most of the um, playoffs. Just where it's the back and forth, back and forth. But overall, I think Tampa's the better team, and they're gonna end up pulling this one out in six. Um, yeah. I I think that Tampa's the better team on paper. However, the last two rounds. I have doubted the stars and they've proved me wrong. I thought Colorado would annihilate them. I thought Vegas would really annihilate them. And everything's telling me to pick the lightning because on paper, they are the better team. And after last year's first round uh, sweep from, from the blue jackets, they have all like the anger and all the motivation in the world to pull away and just rip the monkey off their back. But I can't vote against the stars again. So I'm going to go Dallas, and I'm going to say we get an exciting Game 7 on September 30th uh, at 8 o'clock Eastern time, and we're going to see uh, – oh, my dad's home. 
Do you hear the music at all? That's awkward. Yeah, it is very awkward. <laughs> I'm going to pause the recording for a second. <laughs> Great. Okay. Sorry for the weird, awkward pause there, but I was interrupted by music. Um, like I said, I've voted against, uh, like, bet against the Dallas Stars for the past two rounds. With how much talent Colorado had, I thought they'd annihilate them. They didn't. With how star-studded the Vegas Golden Knights are and all the playoff experience that they have now as a group, especially deep into playoffs, I thought they'd annihilate them. They didn't. Um, everything's telling me I should pick Tampa. They're the better roster on paper, but I'm going to go with Dallas. I say Dallas in seven. I think it's going to be a crazy game. I think it's going to go to game seven. I think these teams are really tight. At least I hope it goes to a game seven. We get more hockey that way. But um, yeah, it should be fun. Hopefully we have some hockey on September 30th and uh, it's a game seven. And the last time the Stars were in the playoffs, they won in overtime. Was it a game? I mean, not the playoffs. Last time they were in the final. Um, I think, I don't know if it was game seven, but it was against the, the Sabres. Either way, I want it to be a fun ending because we're not going to get hockey for a while. It's going to be a bit. So hopefully we get a uh, really fun ending here. It was game six. Isn't it only going to be like a month? No, it's going to get pushed back. It's going to get be around somewhere around like January, February. We're probably going to get summer hockey again, but we'll see. That's just the rumblings I've heard. I have nothing like official that I'm just going off of like how, what I'm, what I'm reading, but you know, so yeah, stars in seven. You say bolts in six. We will see within the next uh, week and a half here. Yes, game one, um, Saturday, September nineteenth, seven thirty p.m. on NBC, and I believe the Tampa is going to be the home team. That uh, that doesn't really matter anymore. But yeah. they technically get the home ice advantage. But that doesn't really matter whenever you're playing at about the farthest professional ice hockey rank you can possibly play from your home city, but, you know, whatever. I was, I was going to say, of all, the, of all of the arenas in the NHL, Edmonton, I think, is the second furthest from Vancouver. Tampa Bay. Yeah, Vancouver is the, the only one further, I think. That's funny. And then Dallas is – yeah, we also give a, a Southern matchup. How many Stanley Cups have we had two Southern teams? Yeah. Tampa Montreal, and... for Montreal, all the like old Montreal folks are probably like so mad because it's like this is our thing, and we have look, we have freaking, you know, crazy Florida, and then Texas, Yeehaw Texas, <laughs> like exactly, I mean, Yeehaw Texas and Florida, man, and this is basically what this is between, and it's the battle of. Uh... Of the year. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun final no matter what. Exactly. Can the Cowboys put a stop to Florida Man? That is basically what this comes down to. I can't wait to see that drawing of that comic that someone makes. Florida Man prevails. Florida Man always prevails. I don't know, like man. Like everything. Even outside of the NHL, coronavirus, Florida Man still number one. Nothing you, beats Florida Man. Have you been here for like, th- this is like, this is going to have three years. Florida man will always be number one. You don't think anything can get any worse than it possibly is. Google Florida man. Have you ever heard of the Alamo? (laughs) 
<laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> that's, that's awful. Okay. Um, All right. So that's you our brush over some of these things. Uh, I'd like to talk about some of them. Like some of these deserve right. an in-depth conversation. The first one is um, per TSN's Pierre LeBrun. Uh, the Oilers did ask the Penguins about Matt Murray, but the price was too high. And uh, LeBron estimated somewhere around a first that they asked the Oilers for. So, the, But they're out on Matt Murray. The Sabres are also ma- out on Matt Murray, but apparently they're very big on Jared McCann. So I think Rutherford tried packaging a Murray-McCann thing to the Sabres. Sabres weren't having it. So... Knowing what uh, the Sabres got for Marcus Johansson, uh, a.k.a. Eric Stahl, which we'll get into in a second, what do you think the Penguins are going to get out of Buffalo for McCann? Or, like, what, what do you think, like, is a value for Jared McCann? How much does McCann make? He's an RFA. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is how much did he end up – how much is he going to save them? I – think he's probably going to sign like a th- three million three and a half four what million did he make last, what did he make last year he made he, he made like one million i think last year yeah he made 1.25 but he's had two breakout seasons with the penguins he he was a half a point a game player over half a point a game player with the penguins uh with like that he was a winger sometimes but i think he fits in good for like a third line center role and like we're going to talk about in a second here uh, the Sabres just got their second line center in Eric Stahl to go after Jack Eichel. Imagine going from having like Jack Eichel and a bunch of nobodies at their center core to having Eichel, Eric Stahl, and Jared McKeon. That's a good one, two, three punch, I think. That would be good for definitely. That, I think this is definitely going to end up benefiting Buffalo just because of like they had the rebuild, and I guess they're still kind of in it, arguably. So I think this is a, it, it would be a nice addition for them. But I feel like the Pens at this point, it's more of a, it's definitely more of a like fix the defense type deal. Because I mean, if you want to brush into the, the trade that they did make, where it's kind of a salary dump, but yeah, we were going to get into not that. much, arguably. I don't know, because yeah, um. I don't really know because what I think what we both thought would be the route to go last report just with how what they need to do for the defense with the amount of money they need to give up. I don't know. It's kind of questionable. Somebody on Twitter made a uh, made a proposal for uh, if we tra- if we happen to trade Latang as well, keep an eye out for Rasmus Ristolainen. To, he could come back the other way from Buffalo, and he is not very good. Like his advanced numbers defensively show that, like he's like very bad at like uh, his advanced defensive stats, like uh, you know separation and stuff like that. And I just don't think he's the kind of defense. He seems like just another kind of like Jack Johnson type defenseman, just bigger. I don't think he's a fix at all. I really hope that he's not the guy coming back our way. I have no idea what that is. If if I would guess, since we don't want to take on salary, I'd say picks. I don't know what picks look like for Jared McCann. Maybe a second plus. Maybe it's like a third and a fourth. I don't know. But um, Yeah, I'm kind of thinking if it would be, it would probably be. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even know that a second. I feel like it would be a couple, um, like in the later rounds. 
he they don't have their third round pick for next for this coming draft or the one after. So I don't maybe the 2022 third or maybe like two fourths or a couple. I don't know. Something like that. I think he has value. So maybe you could get a second out of them. And all the rumors have been saying that Buffalo is like the team in on Jared McCann that like there's no one else that's really asked around about him, or at least not reported yet. It's been the Buffalo Sabres and Jared McCann. So it seems like very likely to happen, but I guess we'll see. I mean, He's an RFA. He could always sign somewhere if he really wanted to for a offer sheet. But uh, I hope that they can find a that they can find some a deal to make because any value coming back, especially for draft picks, we could use right now because we are bleeding in the prospect and draft department. Yeah, that um, he's all yeah. He's going to end up having to go somewhere because, in all fairness, if he ends up making like the two and a half three, their Penguins can't afford that. I think we should go into the, the trade that they did make. Yeah, the guy who came with McCann to Pittsburgh got shipped out already. Uh, Nick Bukestad and his $4.1 million cap hit get traded to the Wild. Wait, no. The Penguins retained 50% of that for a conditional 21, a 2021 seventh-round pick. I don't know what the condition is. I think it's games played maybe in points or something, but it was essentially a salary dump. But instead of like actually dumping all the salary, they're forced to keep half of it, which seems like a waste in my opinion. Cause at least with the 4.1 million, you were getting a player. Now you're paying 2.05 million for not a player for nothing. You're just paying it for someone to not play for you. I think, as I understand what they're trying to do here. I just don't think it was worth it. What do you think? Um, uh, I don't know. I kind of would have, if they only had to retain like 25% of it or something, or it's only around the million, I guess fine. But I don't know. I still feel like holding 2 million because essentially that's a player. Yeah, like that's a, a player or two. That's, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. That's a player. So you're still you're just paying like yeah, so you're just paying like some third or fourth line guy's salary pretty much. Um, I don't know, I feel like if they figure out something with McCann and could figure out how to get if they could get something back in return, I wouldn't be as mad just because that would open up some salary for paying, I guess, a defenseman. But maybe in the end this will like it won't be as bad, but yeah, right now in its current state, uh, it's 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 not even a salary dump. You know what I mean? It's like you're getting a seventh round pick, but you still have to pay for like a third line, third fourth line guy. So I don't I don't know. I guess it was just I, I guess there was like no better. I, I assume that he tried like finding someone to take all of the salary and just no one would do it. So he probably got desperate and just decided whatever, we'll get whatever we can for him. And if we have to retain, we have to retain, but I, I still see it as a net like negative. Like it, we didn't have to do it. You know, at least I understand he's injured all the time, but at least you're getting a player. You're, you're getting nothing for $2 million now. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think my thing, like, this by itself isn't great, but I think if they could, like, if, if they end up signing, like, some defensemen down the road after they get rid of the McCann salary and that kind of stuff, if they can end up pulling someone in where, you know, having this extra 
couple million dollars really ended up helping him out, I wouldn't be as mad. I guess this is more of a, like, ask me in a couple months type deal, but. Yeah, I gotcha. And um, we're going to, we have a, a, actually a good amount of wild news to get into in a second, but we have one last Penguin thing I want to talk about. And this was um, per Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman on his 31 Thoughts blog. He said just in passing that a flurry jarry tandem wouldn't be the least bit surprising in Pittsburgh for next season, uh, whether that be via a buyout of Vegas from Vegas or some kind of trade, which I assume they'd have to retain because flurry is making $7 million for the next two years. Um, expect there, uh, just don't be surprised if that's something you see. What do you, what, how do you feel about that? With Flurry coming back. It's exactly what I you said. Feel, I, mean the band that, back together. I don't know. Yeah, I say that was the joke I made weeks ago, and it somehow seems to be happening. The only thing we're missing is Benino. I don't know. I kind of think the Flurry ship has sailed, and they kind of just need to, like, because Flurry's not that young anymore. So, I, I don't know. I kind of think that ship has sailed, and they need to, like, they kind of need to just move. I think they need to move on. I think that ultimately we're, they're in like, they're in the exact same situation. So I feel like bringing Mark or Flurry back and then, cause how, how long do you think they'd sign him for? Three years or something? You mean like if he gets bought out? Yeah. If he gets bought out and brought back. He's 34. So if they do anything more than a it's, year or two, I'd be pissed. You think? Yeah. Even, I don't know. It just seems like kind of a waste. Because I, I think they're, either, they're they're going one of two routes. They're either A, going to basically try to bring the old band back together and save the Crosby and Malkin years, or try to basically dump the next couple years, keep Jari, and then try to build some – try to get some talent out of somewhere, hope some of the prospects start to pan out, and then go from there. Except Crosby and Malkin would be what, arguably 38, 40, somewhere in that range. That's if they even play that long. So I don't know. I think it's either it's either going to be we're we're basically doomed for a couple years of, I guess, not greatness. So it's do you want to take those now or do you want to try to do what you can with it and then take the, I guess, the downfall in a few more years. He's 35 right now, and he has this next season at 7 million, and he has the season after at 7 million. Uh, I think there's a, a buyout calculator where you could like calculate how much it would be. Give me one second here. Let me go to Vegas. I wanna see how much it would cost Vegas for them to buy him out. Here we go, Flurry. So if they wanted to buy him out, it would be a cap hit against them for the next four years, it'd be 2.5, then three, then two and two. That's something I think that they'd be willing to like deal with. They could swallow that. But, and, and if that's the case and uh, he's getting, he's getting paid uh, whatever, like $3 million a year, essentially by Vegas, he could definitely take like a pay cut if he's coming to the Penguins, but it'd have to be at a year or two. I don't see them 
giving him wanting to give him more than that. I just don't think it's a good idea that they're getting older, like progressively getting older. I think they're buying into the fact that they know that they're going to be bad or like they just are accepting that the fact that they have like one last season left to try to be something with Crosby and Malkin, but they don't realize that by their bad moves that they've already made, they've shortened the Crosby Malkin era by signing guys like, Jack Johnson and like using up their cap space for that you're taking away from things that you could be adding positively to the team you know yeah I don't know that's kind of where I'm at whereas it's like are you saving it for are you basically going to go all out in the next year or two or are you accepting like now accepting the um I guess the the downfall it's just a matter of what they're trying to do but yeah definitely having those um I guess bad contract or two is really starting to burn them here. Yep. And um, so that's, I just thought that was interesting that he, uh, Friedman said that with so much confidence about Flurry and Jari. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we just talked about it last episode, but there was rumor during the Western Conference final that Robin Leonard had agreed to a five year, five million per deal with the Golden Knights which means that for the next two years, at least, they would have $12 million in their uh, in net between Fleury and Leonard if they kept both of them, which isn't unprecedented because if you look at what we talked about with um, Montreal a couple weeks ago, how they acquired Jake Allen, he's making $4 million. Uh, Price is making $10 million. That's $14 million right there. So having $12 million in net isn't that insane. It's still a lot of money, but it's, it's not... It's kind of insane, but like... It's not impressive. It's not impressive. It's done. Yes. So, and then if you think about that and you look at what Flurry Jari would be, if it's a straight up trade and they don't retain anything, you could be looking about like a 10, 11 million dollars there too. Because Flurry's making seven and I expect Jari to get a good pay raise. So, it's going to be an interesting story to follow for the next couple of weeks. I don't see that being the option with the, with the current. I, I don't know. I just don't think it's a viable option with. Like, how are you going to manage to fork over $14, $15 million for two goaltenders, but yet have, like, just an enormous gap in the defense where that money could be spent? Well, they are spending it. It's on Jack Johnson. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to go there anymore. All right. Um, you want to yeah. fade into the next couple we, topics? We have three more things to talk about the Wild. Um, first was that they re-signed – Jonas Brodeen to a seven-year contract and the contract starts after this coming season. So he's one year left on this contract. And then after that, he has seven more years. It's $6 million per. And he has a no, uh, no movement clause for the first four. Um, he's a good defenseman, uh, but I think uh, seven years is a lot of term to I give to him. And it's not about that, which is the problem for me, is that now because of the no move clause, they have to, they've already, it's already official that they have to protect Brodeen, Ryan Suter, and Jared Spurgeon in the expansion draft. So, because and they can only protect three defensemen. So, what happens with Matt Dumba, who's a really good right-handed defenseman? He's relatively young. He's more offensively minded, but that's a guy that kind of is like out in limbo now. He's probably going to get moved, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't really know who else. Um, yeah, 
even in yeah with this expansion draft, I don't really know who else they the um, Seattle would be interested in claiming. But I mean, if, if you're Minnesota, you want to get assets back for that, right? Like, you do, you don't want to let them claim him. You want to move him and get something back for him because he's so he has so much value to him. I don't and and Bill Guerin, the GM over there, has been making a ton of moves. So would we be the least bit surprised if we don't see if we see Matt Dumba traded here in the next like um, month? I wouldn't be surprised to see him traded, but I see if it goes very far. If it like, I don't know. I guess if he could get something worth it, then keep him. But if if it would just end up being like, like, I don't know, like a fourth line guy and like some draft picks or something. I, I I feel like you're better off at that point just keeping him for the season and then not planning on him being there after this. I guess it depends what it depends what you could get in return for him. If it's worth if it's if it'll pay out in the long run, go for it. But if it's just like a he's gonna end up leaving, we might as well take this and see what happens type deal. I say keep him for that, just keep him for the year and acknowledge the fact that it he's gonna be gone after this. I think there's going to be a good amount of teams that are willing to give up a good amount for him because he is right-handed and young, and I think he's under, under contract for a bit. So I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they're able to find a, someone that's willing to fork over a good bit for him. We have one more thing, actually two more things in Minnesota news. We briefly talked about they traded uh, Eric Stahl, who was their number one center for the past few seasons, to the Buffalo Sabres for Marcus Johansson. And my only thing to say about that is why. Do you know why? Do you understand at all? Um, how much? I don't know. The only thing I could think of is how much did Stahl make? Like, are they trying to make room for something, or? I don't think he made that. Let me check on. That's that what I can say is I don't. I don't know where they're at cap wise because that. That's my only thing is three point two five million. I think. Oh. I, I think Johansson might make more. Let me see. Uh, Johansson makes 4.5. Oh, really? Wow. So they got a better, cheaper player, Buffalo did. And a center. They got a center, Eric Stahl. Marcus Johansson's not a center. He's a winger. Yeah, I don't know. This one's kind of beyond me. I don't know. Uh, maybe, I don't know. What is Bill Guerin doing? <laughs> so is it, I don't know. Is it like some internal type deal where he, uh, he owes somebody? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He was like, I don't know. I was going to say, is it, I don't know. The the only better the thing. There's like no one like him. <laughs> the only thing better for Johansson than Stahl is the fact he's younger. But like in every season of his career, Eric Stahl's been better than any season of Marcus Johansson. So just it, when everyone saw that trade, they were like, what the heck? It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense, but we're, I don't think there's any good rationale for that. So we can just move on. It's, it's a silly deal. Um, the last bit of news that came out from Minnesota, which happened today, was announced today is that their longtime captain Miko Koivu will not be re reassigned. Bill Guerin announced it uh, in a press release earlier today. And uh, he's been there for something like 15 years. He's been there almost the so he's entire, been there forever. Almost the entire existence of the franchise. So there's not much to talk about there, but it's it's a pretty big deal for uh, them to be moving off of him. Um, yeah, he's old. Oh, he's very old. I think yeah, someone. So if he wants to, I think someone else is going to resign him. But maybe he wants to be the, one of those guys that was a one-team guy. You know, just like wants to keep his Chara. legacy with Minnesota. Char has been on multiple teams. Well, I mean, I guess, but 
what is longest run's been with the Bruins by far. Yeah, but there are better examples, you know. <laughs> Patrice Bergeron's a better example. Yeah. Didn't mean to call you out there. I apologize. It's uh, okay. I think we briefly talked. We may have ta- briefly talked about it last episode, but the uh, Canadians acquired the unrestricted free agent rights to Joel Edmondson uh, for a fifth round pick, and proceeded later that week to sign him. They got him for three point five million dollars for the next four years, plus a ten team no trade clause. Um, he was one. There, remember we talked about on our playoff predictions. The, the Hurricanes had such like a backloaded defensive core, where they had a lot of like they, like their seventh and eighth best guys, where it would be like starting on a lot of other teams. He was one of those guys that was kind of on the fringe there and wasn't able to find a spot. But he won a Stanley Cup last year with St. Louis, and now he's with the Habs, and he's going to have a much like uh, more important role with the Habs than he did with the Hurricanes. Uh, but 3.5 for four years, do you think that's a bit much? Um, I mean, I don't think it's terrible, but eh, I don't know. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I think this is probably one of the most, I guess, fair signings that I guess we've covered, at least on this episode. But I, I don't think it's, like, horrendous. Um, so... Three more things of hockey news. Um, the Coyotes found their new general manager. His name is Bill Armstrong. He's a former scout and assistant general manager for the Blues. Typically, whenever teams win a Stanley Cup, their assistants uh, usually go and become like actual GMs elsewhere. If you look at Jason Botterill with the Penguins, you look at Bill Guerin with the Penguins, now Bill Armstrong with the Blues, uh, they all they usually go out and uh, – become real GMs because you can get a, get more responsibility, more pay. Uh, so good on him. Um, two more hockey things, and we're going to move on to baseball. Um, today, just a few hours ago, actually, the Senators unveiled their new logo, and it's a throwback to their early 2000s, late 90s logo. It's like a two-dimensional Senator. I think it looks nice. Have you seen it yet? Oh, I think it is disgusting. I think it is really? just horrendous. It looks, to me... It looks like they tried to, it. It's just some weird spin off of like. It, it it looks like they tried to pull some weird thing out of like the almost like the Detroit logo or something. Where it's just like some weird spin with like the I don't know what what they are like feathers or something on like the um, senator's head, but yeah, I don't like it. Interesting. I per- personally, I, I mean, if they're doing that, that probably means they're going to be redesigning the jerseys. And I think the potential with those jerseys with it's more of like a defined like gold tan or whatever you want to call it. I think the potentials are pretty endless. I, I don't like the senators, but I, I don't mind this move. I think it's going to make for pretty good jerseys. Uh, it just seems like, you know, how like the, um, I guess Vegas was the first team to do it where they have like, kind of like the, like glittery gold, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Vegas. I feel gold. like if they did, yeah, I feel like if they did that with like the red or something, that would be kind of cool. But I don't know. It just seems like it's very like, like plain. Eh. You know what I mean? Like a, it's pretty generic, but I, I I don't know. I like it. I'm a sucker for uh, throwbacks. 
I guess I don't. I'm not a fan. I don't. I don't really care for. I just think I don't know. Like the, they have the red. I don't even know what the thing's called. Like the red, like fur-looking thing. I don't know. I think if they put like like black stripes or something to try to break that up, maybe. But it just seems too like. It's very plain. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see how it looks on the ice uh, this upcoming. Yeah, season. I guess see how it looks on the jerseys. That's where it really matters. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not that big. Not crazy for it. Last thing of a bit of hockey news is that um, a former NHL player with a bunch of teams and a former assistant coach in Vancouver, Manny Malhotra, he's been hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs to be an assistant coach. But that doesn't mean that they're out on Bruce Boudreaux. There's still an open uh, bench space there for the Leafs. So hope is still out that we get our uh, bald little hero to be on the uh, the bench with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs this upcoming season. But Manny Malhotra was a uh, – pretty defensive forward whenever he was playing. And that's the kind of uh, inspiration that I think those young guys, offensive guys really need to help better their two-way game and help out because their defense is so uh, poor. You get those guys playing a better two-way game, you, you get results like Boston, you know, guys who are uh, responsible defensively and offensively. And uh, that makes for good playoff hockey, you know? Yeah. I think that's 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 that for that. And uh, do you want to get into baseball? Sure. So baseball, the uh, I believe we talked on this. I guess it was just more of a idea. Last podcast has been confirmed. The NL for the playoffs. The NL is going to play in Arlington and Houston. Those are going to be the two cities, as long as as well as the um, NLCS. And then the AL is going to play in um, Los Angeles. And San Diego, and that will be home for the ALCS. And then the World Series is going to be uh, played in Arlington, Texas. So, I don't know. I, I, it makes sense to me. I thought New York would be better, but by the time they end up just with the delayed schedule, it's going to end up being – I feel like it's going to be, like, too cold anyway. So, you know what I, I mean? I feel like it's I, – I, I don't hate it. I think it's, it's a good idea. It was well planned. I, you, you could see what they're trying to do here. They're trying to keep teams away from having home home field advantage. Look, both of the NL stadiums uh, are are AL stadiums, and both of the AL uh, playoff stadiums are NL stadiums. That's why probably why they didn't do Anaheim uh, along with the Dodger Stadium. They did San Diego with Dodger Stadium because they didn't want if there's a chance that the Angels make it. I think that they they don't, they don't want anyone having. Uh, familiarity or home field advantage which is nice and uh having the world series in arlington texas is going to help make up for the fact that um they didn't have this was the opening season for that new ballpark so it's going to have better uh it's going to have more like national uh spotlight to it and um you know, people are going to see it, and that should help bring in – if you uh, have the World Series there, it's going to help bring in some revenue, not for the team necessarily, but for the surrounding area. So I think it's good all the way around. I, I like it. I think having, uh, having you know, uh, San Diego hosted, that's a beautiful stadium there. Arlington's new, te- new stadium is real nice. Houston just reminds me of the cheating Astros, so I'm not that big of a fan of that. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I feel, I'm just waiting for the memes to come out whenever that happens. They're gonna they're gonna get rid of the or, the uh, organist and just have someone beating a drum. That's what yeah. I was just, that's what I was gonna say is I feel like if they had the um, World Series in Houston, it's just gonna be like meme central for that entire series. No matter what teams are in it, it's just gonna be a 
hey, remember last, you know what I mean? It's going to be something where it's like the, the last time that, um, you know, the World Series was in Houston and then it's going to end up being like, like the, um, uh, it's going to end up being like something out of some movie. Like, you know, in casinos, they have the cameras everywhere to watch people from cheating. Yeah. It's going to end up with something like that where they're going to have like, uh, it's going to be something stupid, but I don't know. All right. You want to move on? You can do NFL. This is your uh, subject area. Yeah, um, we finished out week one of the regular season. It was a very successful week one. Uh, a lot of a lot of good teams, a lot of good games that came out of it. Um, Steelers beat the Giants. I believe that it was 26-16, I think, something like that. Uh, Juju had an off uh, – he had a sophomore slump here last year. He uh, caught two touchdowns, which is very impressive for him. Benny Snell in his second year uh, got over 100 yards rushing after James Conner went down with an injury, and he looked terrible at the beginning anyway, so – it was good to have Benny Snell out there. Um, ben Roethlisberger ended the game with more rushing yards than Saquon Barkley, which just goes to show you how great that Steelers defense is. Uh, they were able to limit Saquon to, I think it was like six yards or nine yards, something like that. And that's that's a thousand yard uh, like running back. So it's pretty impressive that they were able to do that. Um, no turnovers for Ben. He had a very good uh, first game back from his injury. Very long recovery, but now he's back and he uh, had a great first game. Pretty easy first game, too. The Giants aren't that good of a defensive team. But like I said, um, out of the game, James Conner is hurt. He had his ankle problem, I think it was. And uh, Zach Banner, who was the starting right tackle for the team, also is hurt. And he was placed on injured reserve. He, uh, they, his future for the season is unknown. Uh, and then out of uh, out of New Orleans, uh, Tom Brady had his first game with the Buccaneers and he disappointed a little bit. Um, they lost to the Saints pretty handily and uh, wasn't the best game for Brady with his new uh, weapons. Gronk didn't look as good either, but it, se- it seemed like it's, there's no preseason, so it's going to take him a little bit to get used to his new team. He's never had these kind of weapons before either. He's always had very mediocre offenses, but now he has all these amazing weapons and he needs to figure out how to utilize properly. So it's going to take some time, but I think uh, Tom Brady, he'll, he'll work it out. He's, he's the best. He's Tom Brady. He's Tom Brady. Absolutely. He's has a way better life than anyone else. (laughs) Um, Another thing that come out of the uh, Saints Bucks game is that uh, wide receiver Michael Thomas is out longer term with it with a uh, ankle injury. I think it was a high ankle sprain or something like that. So all the people that picked him in the first round of fantasy are pretty upset about that right now. But it is what it is. Um, two more quick things: uh, the Titans in their first game back the, with their new kicker Stephen Guskowski, the former longtime Patriot missed four kicks in the game. He missed three field goals and an extra point, but they were able to beat Denver uh, in the closing minute of the game. And Goskowski made his first kick with seconds remaining, and it could put them over the edge. I think they beat them by two. So that was the deciding factor in that game. And then um, the last bit of news is that the 49ers, who are ridden without uh, wide receivers, signed Mohamed Sanu, a longtime uh, journeyman been with Cincinnati Atlanta New England he's now with the 49ers so he'll get a big role there with Jimmy Garoppolo in that offense is there anything else we wanted to talk about we didn't put anything for NASCAR or tennis um, or I guess I'll, golf yeah I'll, so the U.S. Open started what yesterday I don't know what it started I saw it on the TV today I know that I, yeah, I, I think it started yesterday um 
Yeah, I believe they're only through 18, so. I'll say something about golf. I golfed today, and I beat Dylan. That's our go. That's our golf news. Golf beat news. Him, beat him by five strokes. I have some videos and pictures of me uh, hitting some absolute piss missiles on uh, on some drives. So not there the you go. I don't know. I'm trying to look up who's who's leading right now. Oh, I can look right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. Doesn't I don't know. Yeah, but I'm I'm better than this you, website so. doesn't make any sense. All right, whatever. Um, I don't know. Tiger Woods is minus twenty six to eighteen. I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Yeah, so he, he he pulled some. He had a hole in one in every. Like every other hole. Um, somebody named. Then he broke his back. All right, sorry. Uh, moving on. Someone named Bryson DeChambo. I don't know his name. He's leading right now. He's a minus three, but that doesn't seem right. I feel like somebody got to be doing better than that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Happy Gilmore's not in it, so it doesn't really matter. I'm protesting the PGA until they reinstate Happy. I know, I agree. They need to let him back. He's the hockey stick putter. Um, anything to end here that you want to talk about? Or are we good? Um, I don't know. For NASCAR, I don't know of anything. Ricky Bobby's still banned, so that's kind of annoying. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know. When's Doug Glatt allowed in the NHL again? I'll call. I'll call Batman. I'll see what I can do. Oh, there you go. Yeah, oh boy, Gary know. B. <laughs> All right. I don't. Know. I think that's it. Um, next episode should be a good one. Next episode, we will be with. We will be in the Cup final. Yes. At least hopefully, we'll be able to get in. Yeah. So hopefully, we'll get one in before it's over. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll try to do. We'll we try to do one like too. somewhere around game three, four, something like that. The one. So. Yep. All right. That, that about does it for us. Uh, good episode today, Troy. Very proud of you. This, uh, yes. <laughs> this uh, Friday, September eighteenth, twenty twenty. Thank you for joining us. I'm, I'm the God Lucas with my medial host Troy, and uh, we will see you next week. Or, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. All right. See ya. See ya. <laughs>